What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellows Podcast. We are coming to you February 22nd, 6.22 p.m. in the evening. P.M. and evening. People already know that. If I say P.M. and evening, PM it's been a long evening. day. Fellas, Tyler and Cameron are here with me. How are we doing today? Doing pretty good. Got the day of the twos. Yeah, I was going to say, happy 2 2 2 2 2 2 2. Coming off a snow day, so I'm feeling pretty good. Well rested. I failed to recognize that today. I feel like <laughs> I knew about it leading into today, and I feel like it's been the most anticlimactic day we could we could ask yes. for. When it's uh, the day of twos. And of course, the day of twos because it comes on the worst day of the mm-hmm. week. What an awful, See, thought, what an awful I, day to celebrate today. I thought today was the one day you can I make know. an exception for a, for being a Tuesday, and yet it's still no, it's, a, not... it's still a Tuesday. <laughs> nothing, nothing exciting happens on it. There's nothing good about Tuesdays. The people have heard this rant enough. We we need to pivot to something else before this is our open again. Oh, oh man. It is snowy in Minnesota, the great state of Minnesota. Uh, and I think st- snowy might be an understatement. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I didn't have to go anywhere today, so I was I was very happy. Did you both get to stay in? Yeah, I, w- I was at home. I felt really bad for second grade. Uh, they made shirts because they had second grade in 2-22-22. And there, it was like, I wore this shirt on. And they couldn't even wear it. The one day out of the year, <laughs> they can't go in. <laughs> they couldn't even wear them. They designed them. All the everyone was all excited for it. And they, I was like, "Oh man!" So they're gonna wear them tomorrow and pretend like it's the two twenty-two. <laughs> It'd be a bunch of posers yeah. and wear them tomorrow. You know that some parent is gonna write like a little hook underneath one oh, of yeah. the twos, right, to make it twenty-three. Right. Oh man, that's hilarious. Yeah. Did you guys? I, I know that you guys have your apartments. Mm-hmm. And you had to dig cars out. Mm-hmm. You don't have to shovel like sidewalks, driveways, or anything. That's taken care of for you, right? I do not have yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, that's all taken care of. Yeah, I don't have to do sidewalks or anything. It's not taken care of, but I don't have to. It'll be done in like three days. <laughs> you just wait yes. for someone else. And they'll do it to like do it. three to three to four days. To. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not okay. With how heavy snow can oh, get yeah. sometimes. Yeah. It's not okay. Here's my petition to God saying, hey, <laughs> stop making it so dang heavy. Just make it light and fluffy for all of us. We would greatly appreciate are it. Are you a shovel or are you a uh, snowblower kind of guy? See, I would have used a snowblower, but I severely underestimated mm, yeah. the amount and the weight uh. of the snow. So I started shoveling and I was like, Oh, it's not that bad. And I get like halfway down the driveway and I'm like, it's pretty bad. I need the snowblower. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> but I'm too stubborn to stop where I'm at. Right. So I just finish it off with the shovel. You're a real Minnesotan. A true Minnesotan. A true Minnesotan. We'll say we have a great episode here. We are, uh, we have our rookie review episode. We are going to look back. Uh, at some of the rookies from last season and try and project them going forward into 2022. Uh, but we're going to do it with a little bit of a dynasty twist on it. So this isn't just for redraft. Uh, if we're going to look forward at these rookies, we're going to try and look ahead not only next year, but where, who, who do you want the, how, how long do you want these guys? Yes. Right. Uh, what does it look like two, three, four years down the road? 
not just after their first year in the league. What does their first year in the league indicate to us for the next years of their career? Mm -hmm. So let's, uh, you know what? Let's just, uh, let's dive right in. Let's start with quarterbacks. We, uh, you like that little transition? Tyler was like, that was a nice guy. Both of you are like, oh, that was clean. I know. I'm on top of it. I'm on top of it. This is, this is what's great. We're working on Riverside now. Not not a sponsor, but not yet. Uh, we're working on Riverside. Not yet. We'll get there. If they, they ever listen to us, uh, they give us all these neat transitions that we could use. So, uh, what's really going to be a shame is that if it doesn't come through after the recording. Oh is my saved, goodness! Could you and imagine this last thirty seconds is just absolutely pointless. <laughs> but oh, uh, let's get into it. Let's start with our quarterbacks uh, across the board for us. Uh, our top rookie quarterback going forward is Trey Lance. And that's probably not the name that people expect us to start with because, I mean, Trevor Lawrence was in the 2021 draft class, right? Best mm-hmm. quarterback prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck. But he, Trey Lance, is number one across the board for us going forward in fantasy football. And maybe the question we just need to ask here is Why? And I'm just going to let either of you two jump in and, and, and answer that. Because you already know my argument. Yep. I took the guy ahead of Trevor Lawrence in our dynasty startup last year. I love Trey Lance. Uh, but why do we have Trey Lance at number one going forward? I, When we're talking about dynasty fans football, we're not talking about the best NFL quarterback. I don't know. Trey, I'm still here to give um, Trevor Lawrence one more year, give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he is the best quarterback in this draft class. But dynasty-wise, the situation that Trey Lance is in right now, the capital that San Francisco gave up to go get him, uh, I just don't and, – and his rushing ability. This guy's got a cannon for an arm, and he's got elite wheels. He could have top five ar- have a top-five arm and top-five ru- rushing ability in the quarterback position moving forward. And with all that combined, they're going to give him multiple chances. He's going to start for at least three more years. He is. He's going to. He's going to go at least through his rookie contract. And I just don't see how he fails fantasy wise in this offense, the way that it's set up, and how, just how they move the ball last year with Jimmy G. Trey Lance is better than Jimmy G. Exactly right. I mean, we haven't really seen a place. So maybe we can't say that with one hundred percent certainty, but. Trey Lance's skill set seems to outweigh Jimmy G's. Maybe that's the best way of putting it. Tyler, do you have any thoughts on that? I guess the only concern that I have with Trey Lance, right, we've seen this happen with a couple other quarterbacks in the past where they've got the the tools to really be, you know, a great first-year starter, but they kind of underestimate defenses a little bit which could equal turnovers that's the only concern that i have but when you're trey lance and you have rushing upside and especially like you know in the context of fantasy football your rushing upside can pretty much you know level out the turnover issue so i think it's clear and obvious that trey lance should be at the top for dynasty quarterbacks yeah i think his floor is Jalen hurts this year Sorry, I just had to throw that in. No, 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 you're good. No, I, I I, can get behind that. His three starts this year, three full starts, 20 fantasy points, 15.6 fantasy points, 20 fantasy points. I'll take that 
365 if I can get Trey Lance in the later rounds of my fantasy drafts this year. I think I think that's a great comparison. I think that's what he's going to be in fantasy drafts next year mm-hmm. is he's going to be that late-round Jalen Hurts that doesn't go as a QB1 in 10-man leagues. But you know what? You could probably stack up on a guy like Justin Herbert and probably Trey Lance next year and have some serious firepower if that's right you choose to go in yes. some 10-man leagues. Um, I, I, we're all expecting big things. My case in point is always I drafted Trey Lance ahead of Trevor Lawrence in our dynasty startup this past year. That's how much I believe in him. I don't. I shouldn't need to give any more analysis. That's how much I believe in the kid. Did you guys? Did I send that clip to you guys of Trey Lance that practice oh, yeah. uh, practice video that came out of him making that insane rolling out to the left absolute dot over the defender? How oh, it was sidearm throw. It was a piece of art. Well, it was it was Mahomes esque. Mm-hmm. Right uh, where it he's was drifting, beautiful. and then he turns away, or he turns around and sidearms it, and it's a bullet right to. And he, and not only like does he hit the receiver, he leads the receiver as yeah. well. Yeah, that was a dot, an absolute dot. It was. Oh, I, I still go back and watch it sometimes. I'm not going to lie because I have Trey Lance on my team, and I want to just continue mm-hmm. to feed myself all the Trey Lance vibes. Uh, let's move on to our, our quarterback two going forward. And that is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, can I just say it was a disastrous rookie season for Trevor Lawrence? Like, is that okay for me to say? I think it's an understatement. Okay, good. I, I figured that was the case. I was trying to be nice. We'll leave it out. Yeah. Disastrous. It was disastrous. Over 600 passing attempts and the lowest touchdown percentage in rookie QB history. I, I, just an awful, awful rookie debut for Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. Yet we have my quarterback too going forward. So how positive are we that Trevor Lawrence is you know, just fine and will actually pan out as an NFL QB, let alone you know fantasy football quarterback? Yeah, I think this or I for me like the sole reason why he's in at number two is because his coach is Doug Peterson. <laughs> we talked about this a plenty, where Doug Peterson. Won a Super Bowl off the RPO. Trevor Lawrence thrived off the RPO in college. You get an offensive-minded coach. Maybe Urban Meyer is not. No one really knows what kind of coach Urban Meyer is, but we do know that he's a bad football coach. A bad, so, a bad NFL coach, yes. <laughs> right. So you, you get an offensive-minded head coach that's won in the big games and has won it all before. I like It's a home run hire for Trevor Lawrence fans for Trevor Lawrence owners in fantasy football, there's, there is that, I guess the optimism that you had going into last year, that's now back because of hiring Doug Peterson. Yeah, I would agree. I think, I think for me going this year with Trevor Lawrence, I'd probably give him to the halfway point of this year. And if things are, if things look like they did last year, I mean, he would have to be awful in the first eight weeks for things to look like they did last year. Then you know what? I would move off. I would sell lower on Trevor Lawrence and just just move off of it. I just think you know you have a full off season of Doug Peterson. You've gotten you know how the NFL game works now. I think if you have eight games, you can move off him. I think his name is still going to hold enough value where you can get stuff back for Trevor Lawrence trading him off. But I'm not. I don't know if I could give him a whole full season after watching this last year if it looks the same. If there's any improvement, then I think I'd. I, I feel good about Trevor Lawrence moving forward, knowing that he is progressing um, kind of to what we thought he could be with Doug Peterson. 
we've seen a lot of really poor rookie quarterback performances, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the Peyton Manning comes to mind, Troy Aikman comes to mind, right? Like these guys whose rookie years were just, they weren't as disastrous as Trevor Lawrence's. But also like, and, and I see this argument all the time and it's like, you know, we can't, we can't make excuses for the situation of Trevor Lawrence. It's this generational talent, but I'm sorry when Marvin Jones Jr. Mm. is your wide receiver one, and you're throwing the ball to Laquan Treadwell, who hasn't been relevant since draft day. I I don't know what to tell you. And and your head coach refuses to give your best playmaker the football in James Robinson for 65% of the year? Like, I don't know what Trevor's supposed to do in that case. Yeah. Like, like, he's a rookie quarterback. He's not Tom Brady. I, and I think when, when we talk generational best QB prospect we've seen, we just expect them to come in and get it no matter the situation. And Trevor Lawrence is a young kid who just doesn't know the NFL game yet. Yeah. I think things will improve going into next year. I have a lot of faith in Trevor Lawrence. I think it will still pan out to be a perfectly fine uh, NFL quarterback and fantasy football quarterback as well. I think I still have him inside my top 16 for next year. I'm expecting big strides forward, like Tyler said, uh, with Doug Peterson there now. I think that's... Yeah. I think he'll take strides forward for sure. Let's move on to the pick that was after Trevor Lawrence in the 2021 draft. That was Zach Wilson. Uh, very up and down first season in the league. And I think I think we can all agree. It's Trey Lance. It's Trevor Lawrence. And then that number three, I think a lot of people are going to put Justin Fields there. But Cameron, you put, you put Zach Wilson, your number three quarterback, moving forward from this rookie class. Uh, plead your case. Uh, because of this, this would not go over well with the people. So the big argument for Justin Fields a lot like Trey Lance is his feet. However, I really think that Zach Wilson can kind of close that gap. I I saw a lot with him being able to scramble. He had a 50-yard rushing touchdown this year. He can do things on his feet. I don't think he's going to be a six, 700-yard rusher every year, but, you know, two, 300 yards, kind of adding just a little bit of fantasy value on the ground, maybe a couple rushing touchdowns here or there. The other thing that I really like, and I know it's not like this staple culture in the Jets organization, but I do think they're trending in the right direction. They're becoming a team that now has an identity. Their identity is going to be defense first, run the ball. However, I still think that Zach Wilson can have fancy value off of that. And the last thing that I really like about Zach Wilson over Justin Fields is that Zach Wilson has Elijah Moore, and Corey Davis. So he's got two guys who he can grow with. Um, I think Elijah Moore can develop into a wide receiver one in an NFL offense. Whereas in the Bears situation, they have Darnell Mooney, and I love Darnell Mooney. I think he's a great player. I do not think he's a wide receiver one in an NFL offense. I don't think that he has the tools. I don't think that he has the size to truly be a wide receiver one. And so that's kind of why I like Zach Wilson. I think he's stepping into a situation where he can grow with the team. He can grow with the players around him. I, I'm a believer in Zach Wilson. I was originally extremely out mm-hmm. on Zach Wilson. I, I think he'll end up being just fine. I just, I don't know if I can like, in terms of fantasy value, and and, and so maybe I guess the argument then comes in: Will he last in the NFL longer than Justin mm-hmm. Fields? Because I question how long Justin Fields will actually last. Because he's like a Dwayne Haskins, right, where he has like two relevant seasons, and then he's a backup quarterback, 
may end up being the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers this next year based on uh, um, recent news. But at any rate, Tyler, you and I have Justin Fields as our quarterback three going forward. Plead the case for Justin Fields being quarterback three going forward. Actually, I was going to ask you to plead the case based off of this question that I was going to ask you. Oh, boy, here you go, turning questions back at me. All right. (laughs) Let's do it. Sorry, Let's I'm just trying it. to get you. I'm just trying to get you I, in, I, no, the, in, the, in the conversation. It. I appreciate it. Get the hosts involved. I, 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 I hear it. I hear it. I'm here. Just giving you some love here. Hey, what kind of rushing upside does Justin Fields have this year, Ooh. if at all? Um. Oh, that's a really good question. He, he, if Lamar Jackson is like the peak standard, and I'm gonna say. Matthew Stafford is like the I'm going to stand still and be a tree in the pocket the entire game. Uh, I say he's like 75% to Lamar Jackson. He can scoot. Okay. He can scoot. A lot of his fantasy points uh, second half of the season came from his ability to actually run the football. I'm going to pull up his game log here. Uh, So Tyler, if you have anything you want to add to Justin Fields and his rushing upside, go for it now because I'm going to pull up his rushing numbers uh, so I can read those off because I'm pretty sure they're pretty substantial. His the the like six weeks straight he was the starter for this offense. I guess the only thing I could add about Fields is it it really helps them out that they have a new GM and a new head coach that are kind of running things now in Chicago that there is, you know, some optimism in the thought of a coach saying, hey, Justin Fields can run the dang ball. Like, he can he can run, right? And, you know, for whatever reason, Matt Nagy didn't really utilize that at all. But I, there's part of me that thinks that this new regime wants to utilize Fields' legs a little bit more than last year. But again, that's that's just a optimistic thought. There's no guarantee that that'll happen, but that that's the only thought that I could add into it, really. Yeah. So in week eight, he had twenty six, or he had one hundred and three rushing yards. Uh, had twenty six point three fantasy points that week. Week nine, he had forty five rushing yards. Ended up scoring nineteen point one fantasy points. Week 14, he had 74 rushing yards, and he had 20.4 fantasy points. Week 15, he had 35 yards, 16.9 fantasy points. He can scoot, right? It's not like he's just a roll out of the pocket and and, and scramble for, you know, 20 yards a game kind of guy. Like, if they want to get him 50-plus yards of rushing per game, that's not out of the realm of possibility. I think that's extremely doable. My big concern for him is how long is he actually going to last in the league? I am not a believer in Ohio State quarterbacks. Name me the last Ohio State quarterback that is still playing in the NFL right now at a good level. I mean, I know you can say that about a ton of colleges, but we've how many prospects have we seen come out of Ohio, as, Ohio State as quarterbacks? And how long have they actually been quarterbacks in the NFL? Not very long is the answer. The answer is like two to three years. I think Justin Fields might be the best the best Ohio State quarterback prospect we've seen. I question how long he's actually able to stay in the league, though. So that brings us to Mac Jones, who I think I've lost a little bit of optimism in, but I still have him at my QB four going forward. 
and you two have him as your QB five going forward. Does Josh McDaniels leaving have anything to do with that? Or is that just solely you just like the other four guys more than Mac Jones going forward? I like the fantasy upside of the other guys moving forward. If I'm, if I'm looking dynasty wise, I would rather take a shot on a guy who could be a, um, you know, like a Jalen Hurts, who could be a Joe Burrow, uh, maybe not like Joe Burrow talent-wise, but Joe Burrow fantasy production. Whereas I think Mac Jones, his ceiling is going to be like Derek Carr, uh, fantasy-wise. I think Mac Jones could be a great quarterback for a while, but I'm not really interested in trying to find a guy who's going to be between quarterback 13 and quarterback 18, who's going to play well in the playoffs, because that doesn't affect fantasy. I want a guy who's got better upside, who I think could really be a producer for my team. That's the only reason. I think Mac Jones will be a better pro quarterback than all of these guys, except Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence. I just think it's more so that it's New England, (laughs) where they prioritize running the ball first, and they do not prioritize getting good weapons on the outside. Like, you think back to when Tom Brady and Randy Moss, like, teamed up, in New England, mm-hmm. part of the big, or I guess part of the hype that was a part of the news was because Bill Belichick actually got a top end wide receiver. They were relying on guys like Dion Branch. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like they're relying on these late round no name guys that can step up and play a role, right? And that's where we get our Julian Edelmans. That's where we get our Chris Hogan's from New England, right? So, I think the, the 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 conservative side of me putting Mac Jones at five is just saying it's New England. They should take a wide receiver in the first round of the draft this year, or go sign another one. Even after all that, all the money they spent last year, I just don't think it will. Mac Jones can be an efficient NFL quarterback, but efficiency doesn't really translate into fantasy as well. I should say. I would agree. I, I think the only reason why I have Zach Wilson below Mac Jones is because I do think Mac Jones's floor is safer than Zach Wilson's. And for the for the safety purpose there, I think after those top three guys, like I'm just going for safety at that point. Like I don't unless if Zach Wilson is like my third quarterback, you know, then I'll take a swing on Zach Wilson, but I'll take the safety and and potential ceiling of even if his ceiling is Derek Carr. That's not a Mm -hmm. bad ceiling to have. I would take that ceiling on my fantasy team. But I don't disagree with anything that was said either. So uh, let's move on to the running backs now. It's that's such a nice transition. I won't do it every time we switch positions, but I feel oh, like I didn't get enough of an opportunity. We didn't have any like news or notes. We didn't have any yeah. like Super Bowl recap. I'm like, I'm just trying to utilize it now because I have the ability to. Uh, let's move on to running backs. Uh, Najee Harris is our running back one going forward. This is just essentially a, a, a no-brainer, right? He was mm-hmm. our running back three last season. Is he top five again? How or how does Big Ben's departure? Big Ben's retirement really uh, impact Najee Harris's outlook for 2022 because he was great last year. Tons of volume, had the most running back touches. Can, is that a, is, is running back three a repeatable performance for next year? 
That's tough. That's really tough. That is. That's tough. And we, we, I think we've we've talked about maybe not on the podcast before, but just in our little conversations and stuff. It really was kind of a down year for for running backs this year, right? Like, obviously Christian McCaffrey was on IR, you know, at the beginning of the season. Then he went back on it, so that ended his season. Dalvin Cook didn't really have the season that he's always had before, right? Like, it wasn't like for, there's really no explanation as to the season that we had with running backs. Do I expect a bounce back from some of these bigger name running backs? Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, who's another one? I'm blank. Derek Henry. I'm blanking on some. Derek Henry, Kamara. I mean, David Montgomery. Right? Like, some of these guys that you expect to be top 10 that that didn't finish top 10, they will make a serious case to, you know, finish again in the top 10. So that makes things a little difficult for Najee Harris. So top three may be a stretch, right, when you think of some of the other guys. But I think it's doable just because the volume that he got was so impressive. I I, I would agree. I think the volume was impressive. I don't know how much it's going to go down. I don't think it's going to go up, honestly, this year. I just – he had almost 400 touches. Um, If it does go up, great. The thing that worries me is his touchdowns weren't awesome this year. I really don't think they're going to get better moving forward just because I don't think this team, unless they go sign a great quarterback, which it doesn't look like they're going to, is going to score a ton of touchdowns. I think they'll be good, but I don't know about scoring a ton of touchdowns this year. I feel like... Well, in the one quarterback that they're targeting in the draft, I shouldn't say targeting. The one quarterback that they really, really want is Malik Willis. Generational so talent, Malik sh- Willis. No, stop it. Generational. <laughs> I don't believe in that. Continue. I just had to You're say. You're giving it. me that, that. I just had to say that it. statement. That statement gives me a migraine. <laughs> just trying to like process it, but like with the running capabilities that Malik Willis has, you do kind of have to respect the fact that he may actually just get goal line carries. Yeah. So that touchdown production that you hope to, you know you hoped that would improve maybe going into this year may not be there. If the Steelers can get their hands on Malik Willis. Was it Leonard Fournette's third year in the league that he just saw like eight man boxes on like literally every single rushing attempt. Yeah. I want to say it was even in Jacksonville. Yeah. What? Oh yeah. Last two. Yeah. I think it was his last two years in Jacksonville. It was just, it was an eight man box on every single rush. I feel like that's when Najee Harris is going to become. Because whoever the Steelers bring in at quarterback, that's how they're going to force teams to beat them. There's yeah. no longer Big Ben of like, well, at least, you know, Big Ben can complete the, the intermediate pass. And at least, you know, he can at least hit Deontay down the sideline, right? Like, they at least have to respect that. But even if Malik Willis, generational talent, Malik Willis comes in, <laughs> like, defenses are, like, nobody's going to look at Malik Willis's college tape and say, you know, I don't know what, this guy... We need to worry about this guy on the pro level because he makes some of the most boneheaded mistakes I've ever seen. Yeah. And Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins sure ain't going to cut it either. Nope. So I, I'm with you. I don't think Najee's volume necessarily goes up, and I don't think his efficiency goes up either. Therefore, I can't really envision him as a top three running back. I think it'll be borderline top five just because yeah. of his volume, but I don't, I'm not a believer in 
and his efficiency going up, I think that that might actually take a hit next year. And that's that's what worries me about Najee Harris next year. I agree. But he's still our clear running back one going forward from this class because, let's be real, he was by far the best talent this year. Um, our running back two going forward is Javante Williams. And man, the people who are like saying you need to take Javante Williams in the first round, I want to smack you upside the head because there are a lot of things that need to happen in Denver for Javante Williams to be a first round pick. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want him to pan out. I have him in our dynasty league. Uh, I am not saying this because I am a Javante Williams hater. I love Javante Williams. I'm also just being a realist and I'm trying to give the best advice to people possible of not overdrafting Javante Williams. With that being said, though, is 2022 the year of Javante Williams? Will we see a Javante breakout this year? I, I don't think so, no. I, I think they'll oh. bring back Melvin Gordon. I think, Careful. Uh, the people are going to come after you with pitchforks and it, uh, torches. It, this, Like you said, this has nothing to do with the talent of Javante Williams. We saw how talented he was. He looked so good out there. You know, he was almost leading the league in broken tackles. However, he did lead the league in broken tackles. Well, there you go. However, Melvin Gordon looked really good on this team running the ball. You know, it's not like it was just specifically Javante Williams that looked good. And the other thing, I the reason I think they bring back Melvin Gordon is because we look at the offense that Nathaniel Hackett just ran. Aaron Jones has been, he was top five, I think, last the year before, 2020, and t- running back two, like two years before that um, in fantasy. So you know he's a good producer, but then they just brought in A.J. Dillon, and they pretty much split the carries. A.J. Dillon and even ended up having more carries than Javante Williams. So I think that he's going to try to do something similar in Denver. So that's what really makes me nervous right now moving forward. And they also need a quarterback. they got to figure that out if they really want to be contenders because it'll be just like we're saying with Najee. Javante Williams is going to face six, seven, eight-man or eight-man boxes all the time, you know? I mean, people are just going to sell out on the run, and they're going to force a Drew Locke to beat them down the field. Barf, Drew Locke. Barf. I, that's the other thing. Javon, a, a lot of Javante Williams' value this past year came in the passing game. Mm-hmm. It's because Teddy Bridgewater is short and efficient, and he'll hit the check down. The check down is his bread and butter. So if Javante has that removed from his game, I think that furthers the or lessens the possibility that he that he breaks out. I just think there's still a lot that needs to be proven this offseason. There's a lot a lot of dominoes that need to fall in order for Javante to be this first-round pick that everybody mm-hmm. wants him to be. Yeah. The dominoes aren't falling that way yet. Yet. Because I do think it's totally possible. Even if they don't bring back Melvin Gordon, if he goes to Atlanta, of all places. Let's just say he lands there. And then they bring in... Shoot. I don't know, name a guy who's been a decent running back in the league for a few years, but just a guy to play second fiddle to Javante, right? Like, that's all it takes. That's mm. all it takes is for them to bring in even a serviceable running back behind Javante, and he loses touches. Yeah. I think it's as simple as that. Tyler, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that and you wanted to jump in before we move on. Let's move along. <laughs> Let's move along. Our running back three going for, well, not all of our running back threes, Tyler and I's running back three is Elijah Mitchell, who finished as a running back 26 this past year. 
Uh, he probably would have been top 20 if it weren't for injuries because he was getting at least 20 touches a game when he played. It was absolutely absurd. And he was doing something with those 20 touches. It's not like it was 20 for 60 uh, like Cam Akers in the playoffs. Uh, they were like M- Mitchell was scooting. He was scooting a bit. Mm-hmm. So here's my question. Because he's on the San Francisco 49ers, I think it's far from certain to uh, – I hate playing the game. Like, I know who's going to be the San Francisco 49ers starting running back year to year. I That's a dangerous game to play. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being he's not going to be on the team next year, and 10 is that you have insider information from Adam Schefter that he's going to be the starting running back in San Francisco next year. How confident are you that Elijah Mitchell will be the starting running back of the San Francisco 49ers in 2022. I'm a 9.5. Wow. Oh, baby. And I'm just short of the 10 because I have no insider information, <laughs> but I'm like confident as all get out that Elijah Mitchell's the starter. I what do not fuels have that, that confident. What fuels that? I was thinking about this earlier. And I asked myself, when was the when was the last time that we've actually seen San Francisco run an actual committee? Maybe the better, instead of San Francisco, when was the last time that Kyle Shanahan has ran a committee in the backfield? Well, that's the thing. I don't think he's ever ran a committee. I think people have tried to predict who the running back's going to be, and then it never pans out being the running back that everybody says it's going to be. Alfred Morris. So let's go back. <laughs> That's the name I always oh, forget. Alfred Morris. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> let's go back. Let's go back to Atlanta days, shall we? Who was the running back for Atlanta? Is that Freeman? Is that Devonta Freeman time? Devonta and Freeman. Kevin Coleman. Now I'm trying to remember Coleman's season where he. Because Freeman wasn't this wasn't it the season that Freeman was out and Coleman took over then. Mm, that might have been when he popped into the, out of the scene, yeah. So I think I think the only reason why I'm a nine point five is just because it may just be that Kyle Shanahan's cursed with injured running backs at all times. Huh. <laughs> if Elijah Mitchell's injured. Then, yeah, I mean, he's not the starter because he's injured, right? But, like, when you look at who's on the roster right at this moment, right, the three running backs, I guess the four, right, because each of these guys that I'll mention have seen the field or have had some hype in the past. Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, Raheem Mostert, who's a pending free agent, and Jeff Wilson. Each of those guys have had an, a moment, maybe out, maybe besides Trey Sermon, because I think everyone was all aboard the Trey Sermon train once the draft finished, and then it never took off from another station again. But I think Shanahan just moves pieces around just because he realizes, like, my guy is injured, right? Like, I don't think it's so much as there are other threats to take over a starting position from Elijah Mitchell it's just the question of can Mitchell stay healthy? And if that's a game that I mean that's that's a game you never want to play. No, right? If like, you're, is this player gonna stay healthy? If you're basing but your like, entire case on will he get injured, then 
yeah, 9.5 is fitting because that's not the right game to play. You never assume injury. That's just a matter of fact. Cameron, where where are you at on, on scale one? Well, I, I don't even have him at my running back three like you guys do. And the reason is because I don't think he's going to be the full-time running back next year. He's a six-round draft pick. Kyle Shanahan does punish injuries. He did with Raheem Mostert, right? He drafted two running backs in this last draft because he didn't believe that Raheem Mostert would stay healthy. And sure enough, he got hurt. And I think just the fact that Elijah Mitchell missed what are four games this year, I think the fact that he's a six-round draft pick, I think that's going to br- get San Francisco to bring in another guy. And I think that he will take away touches from him. I think Debo's probably even going to have more rushing impact this next season because it didn't really start till halfway through the year. So if we see Debo getting 700 yards rushing this next year, if we see them bringing another running back, that's going to really cut into Elijah Mitchell. So that's why I don't have that same confidence in Elijah Mitchell moving forward. I am like, if Trey Sermon weren't on this team, I think I'd be at like a seven. I'm sitting at a six right now, so it's not much of a jump even to go from go from six to seven without Trey Sermon. I just, I don't, I I just after what I've seen the past two years with San Francisco's running backs, I just don't trust the the consistency. It, it, no matter who it is. The hype can be about it. The San Francisco beat writers didn't even know Elijah Mitchell was going to be the starting running back over Trey Sermon. They said, oh, yeah, we love all of them. And, right, there was buzz about Trey, or, uh, Elijah Mitchell. They said they really liked Elijah Mitchell, but nobody was saying, you know what? He's the number two behind Raheem Mostert. And if something happens to Raheem Mostert, it's the Elijah Mitchell show. Nobody was saying that. <laughs> so I just, there's too much unpredictability for there for me to say, with confidence, Elijah Mitchell will be the starter. I am projecting him to be the starter. Therefore, I'm going to treat him like it, and he is my third uh, running back from this draft class going forward. That's what I'm basing something on. Cam, you mentioned uh, Elijah Mitchell wasn't your number three running back going forward, and that's because it's Travis Etienne. So you got to explain this to me. Where is your confidence in ETN coming from? Because I I hate to say it, I don't think I share your optimism. So my optimism, Travis ETN, comes from draft capital, first-round draft pick. Darrow Bevels is going to push like crazy, whether he should or not, to have this guy on the field. Um, that's that's their GM, right? Darrow Bevel? No, Balky. Balky. Be- Balky. There he is. That's what it is. All right. I knew the second I said it, and it was wrong, and I could tell by Ty's face that I was really wrong. Um, you could have, you, you could, so, you could have kept going, and I wouldn't have batted an eye. I'm like, I mean, the offensive uh, coordinator probably does want to yeah. get him out on the field. You're not wrong. But uh, so I, I think that's going to be a big reason. Also, I don't think James Robinson is going to be back healthy in time for the start of the year. And even if he does come back, I think we're going to see kind of like we saw with Cam Akers in the playoffs. It's going to be slow treading, kind of getting back. It's an Achilles tear. You know, that's a that's a tough injury. No, nobody's come back as fast as Cam Akers did, right? Clay Thompson missed 12 months off an Achilles tear. Like, that, that's more of the timeline we're used to, and so I could see James Robinson taking forever. The other thing is Trevor Lawrence really struggled last year. Travis Etienne is going to be that, like, um, blanket, you know, that safety blanket. He's going to use him because he trusts him. He knows him from college, and so I just think that, 
Doug Peterson is going to kind of jumpstart this offense. I think Travis Etienne is going to be a real big part of it. And I think he's going to get extra receiving yards that he probably wouldn't get on a different offense. I can I can get behind that. I think my thing with ETN is is that is he is coming out of the injury. He has missed a full year of action. Mm-hmm. This will be his rookie season, and so I'm expecting a rookie type season coming off of an Achilles injury, which just doesn't bode for the same optimism that I do for the Najis, Javantes, Elijah Mitchells, even the next guy we're going to talk about. It's more so like you got to show it to me first. I'm, I'm fine this. being wrong. I'm totally fine if I'm wrong on this. This isn't like a hill I'm willing to die on that, like, Travis Etienne shouldn't be ranked that high. That's fine. I think I think it's okay to have optimism. I just don't share it because of the, the circumstance. One, it's, it's Jacksonville. It's not like that's the best place he could possibly be. He does have Trevor Lawrence. It, it, it makes it better because of that. But the injury and the fact that this will, will be his first season in the league makes me a little hesitant. Tyler, I don't know if you have any differing thoughts or anything that that wasn't said in in there. I guess my biggest question, again, since it's Jacksonville, we can ask questions about what the system's going to be with this new head coach, right? We talked about Lawrence with RPOs. Do we really remember, though, what the run game was like in Philly when Peterson was in Philly? Mm -hmm. Their Super Bowl run? It was above right. average, and then it seemed like for whatever reason afterwards it just declined, and maybe that was just because Peterson just wanted to rely more on the quarterback. No one really knows what happened, but Peterson has shown in the past that he can trust his running backs. The year that they won the Super Bowl, they pretty much averaged like 100 yards rushing a game, right? Like. There's volume to go around, whether it's in carries or in screen passes for these running backs. That start, since James Robinson is more than likely going to miss a couple games at the beginning of the season, could really, really, really help out ETN. And especially because, I mean, again, the wide receiver room, it's Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, Jamal Agnew? But he got hurt too. So, like... No one knows what the receivers are going to look up, look like and line up as. That bodes well for ETN at the beginning of the season. That's totally fair. I can get behind all that. Uh, we still have wide receivers to talk about, and we're getting pretty deep into this episode. But uh, I want to quick talk Michael Carter. Uh, and he finished his running back 29 last year. He had a stretch where he was a top 15 running back. Uh, I believe it was weeks 4 to 11 last year. So he had a nice little stretch of his own. Is Michael Carter, and I'm focusing this next year, just this next year only. Can Michael Carter project as a top 20 running back next year? I think so. I think he can. I don't think he will. Realistically, where I does he land? Gonna, I think he's going to be in the same spot, 25 to 30. I think the, the reason I say that is because I think they're bringing someone else in. I don't think he's going to be alone in that backfield. That's why I'm saying that. No, that, that makes sense. I think he finishes at like somewhere between twenty and like twenty six. I don't think he falls close. I, th- I think he's closer to twenty five than thirty. Maybe I should say closer to twenty than thirty. That's my stance. Maybe I'll ask you guys this because I'm I'm torn between Carter being or finishing really. It's a low end running back two. 
or high-end flex. Mm-hmm. And and I guess that doesn't sound like a difference, but no, a difference. again, it's 24 running backs, right? Everyone after that is flex territory, right? So does he, is he is he a running back two to consider, or is he a running back three that you take in the draft just on upside? If and I guess it really I guess it, I I guess it really just depends on everyone yeah. else, right? Like personally for me, I think he finishes. He's taken in that low RB two range and finishes in that mid RB RB two range at the end of the year. But there's a lot of you know. There's a lot of asterisks to all that. Cam, you mentioned if they bring in another guy, that doesn't really help them out at all. Mm-hmm. They get another receiver, maybe that helps them out. Who knows? But just there's question marks, and it's one of the more riskier, pick, I guess, players if you're thinking he's my you know RB2 that I'm going for in the draft this year. Yeah. I only want him as my running back two if my first overall pick is Jonathan Taylor. I need to have a top three running back one that I know will that I can count on every single week before I'm willing to make Michael Carter my running back two. Yeah. I'd rather have him as my flex play. I would love Michael Carter as my flex play weekly. Mostly because I also think it it, it it proved this year that waiting to draft wide receivers in the running back dead zone of drafts paid off immensely because that's where you guys like got, got guys like Cooper Cup. It's where you get guys like Debo Samuel. It's where you can get guys, I'm trying to think of other wide receivers that went to that range that were like fifth, sixth round picks that were far better than the second and third round picks that you were getting, right? Um, yeah. I would rather have Michael Carter as my flex play than I would drafting him as my running back two. I'd rather draft two running backs early. Yeah, I agree. Quickly... Just some other names to kind of keep tabs on going into next year. Ramondre Stevenson. I shouldn't say even going into next year. In dynasty formats going forward, Ramondre Stevenson, man, he looked really good this year. Uh, if anything happens to Damian Harris slash Damian Harris is no longer a New England Patriot, Ramondre Stevenson uh, is a absolute must-have in in every single league possible. Kenneth Gainwell. Look, the Eagles want to run the football. They're good at running the football now with Nick Sirianni. Uh, we will preach it from the mountaintops. You should not trust Miles Sanders. Therefore, I think Kenneth Gainwell is an interesting name to watch. Not necessarily to take over the job, but again, he's going to be stealing touches from Miles Sanders for many, many years to come. As long as they're both in the same backfield together, Kenneth Gainwell is going to be an annoyance. I think he'll, he'll, he'll make do out of his touches. Chuba Hubbard, he's mostly a handcuff, I think, at this point. Trey Sermon, again, he's just one where, like, I, if you want a San Francisco 49ers running back on your team because you also are like me and you just don't want to play games on who you think the, the running back's going to be, it could be Trey Sermon. Kyle Shanahan could come in next year and say, like, you know what, Trey Sermon actually looked really good this offseason, and you know what, Elijah Mitchell, you're out. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Khalil Herbert's the other one. Again, anything happens to David Montgomery, it's it's a Khalil Herbert show. We saw that this year. So just some names uh, to keep on tabs going forward. Let's discuss wide receivers. Uh, and we're just going to fly through. We're going to fly through these first three because I think we're more interested in talking about some of these later ones. Jamar Chase. 
Hold on. You know what? Shame on me. I'm not used to this. Let's talk about wide receivers. Jamar Chase. <laughs> Where's our editor? Can we can we edit that? <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was Jamar good. Chase. I, I love how that was just seamless. I'm like, oh, forgot it. You know what? We're just going to make it seamless and nobody's going to notice. And here we are taking a detour. Uh, for the third time, Jamar Chase. Uh, holy smokes. What a 2021. He finished as wide receiver five. Uh, scale of one to ten. Uh, no explanation. How much of a lock is Jamar Chase to be a top five wide receiver next year? How how much of a lock is Jamar Chase Zero. to be a top five wide receiver for the next three years? Zero. What? <laughs> I'm so mad that you attacked my tight end, Dawson Knox, last episode, Lucas, so this is just payback. This is all that it is. You're just mad that I spoke the truth on Dawson Knox, that he had nine <laughs> touchdowns on 49 hey. receptions. <laughs> you know what? The truth hurts, okay? And it takes a while to are recover. You, are, but okay? are you just That's slandering Jamar Chase? Because I don't know if zero is truth. <laughs> oh, no, I'm absolutely slandering. I would Cam. It's a ten. It's a ten. He's he's top five for the next like five years. Uh, because I'm a pessimistic realist, I say nine. <laughs> I can't I can't give it a guaranteed ten. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Jamar Chase is special. And if man, they have so much cast space to go out and build up that offensive line this next year. That only helps Jamar Chase to give Joe Burrow more time to give him the football down the field. Uh Next best wide receiver in this class, Jalen Waddle. He's the wide receiver 13 in 2021. Uh, what's his ceiling going into 2022? Mike McDaniel's in Miami now. He has spoken insanely high of Jalen Waddle so far in his short time in being the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. What is Jalen Waddle's ceiling next year? Shoot. What is Jalen Waddle's ceiling for the next three years? That's how I'm going to phrase these questions with these wide receivers because I think these wide receivers have three, four, five, six, shoot, maybe even seven if you're young enough, years of legit top 10 excellence in them. So how, what is Jalen Waddle's ceiling for the next three years? I like that. Yeah, I think when I say this, I'm talking his ceiling because what I'm about to say is going to sound extremely high. But it's Deontay Johnson mixed in with the talent of CeeDee Lamb. Because I think this year we're going to actually see Jalen Waddell get into space this year. And Jalen Waddell, like one of his big, big pluses, you know, strengths coming out, you know, of Alabama that this dude in space is dangerous. Like he can, he can kill you with his legs. So I wonder, you know, like I said, again, 
It's Deontay Johnson just kind of in that short intermediate range. But if he gets him in if he if if McDaniels can get him in space, watch out. Because that could that could reach top five. That that's exactly what I was gonna say. Except I'm gonna say it like I we talk about this conversation has been in regards to usage. I think we could see Jalen Waddle have the ceiling the next three years of 2021 Debo Samuel. Production, right? Debo was wide receiver three. He was wide receiver three. And what did Debo do? He 77 receptions for 1,400 yards. Jalen Waddle was eighth in the league in receptions last year. I... <laughs> I think he was 10th. I think Keenan Allen was 8th. He was 10th in the league in receptions. At any rate, if that's how they're going to maximize Waddle's touches and he still gets that kind of volume, like fantasy point-wise, he could be up there in that Debo range, I think, the next three years. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. That's the ceiling I see for him. In terms of this next year, I think I think I agree with both of you. He'll be top 10. I don't think he'll hit top 5 just yet. But it'll take a year for him to kind of get acclimated to the Mike McDaniel system, I think. Yep. Real quick, just a nice little tidbit. You know how I was saying just playing in space is going to help him out a ton? Uh, let, let me count real quick. Waddle was the only receiver in the top, shoot, 15, maybe even 20, that averaged less than 10 yards. A reception. So he works the short game, gets him in, and if you get him in space again, because that's what San Francisco does, they just get their guys in space. I think you could, yeah, 2021 DOS Samuel might not be that far of a stretch. I just, I just, I don't, if that's the goal, and Mike, that's what Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel literally said, we're addicted to getting the ball into our playmakers' hands in space. We want them to make plays with the football. If you let Jalen Waddle do that, you'll see those numbers go up. I guarantee it. The third wide receiver taken in this draft uh, last year was Devonta Smith. Finished 2021 as a wide receiver, 29. What kind of a sophomore leap are we looking at for Devonta Smith? I think that's the big question on everybody's minds right now. It's fairly, I don't know, I don't want to say it was a disappointing rookie season, but you had Jalen Hurts throwing in the football, so there's like a little bit of leeway given there. I think we expected more. So what kind of a leap can we expect from Devonta Smith next year? That's the biggest thing I'm worried about. Devonta Smith with Jalen Hurts at quarterback is touchdowns. Um, Tyler, what are your thoughts? I'm going to burst the bubble a little bit here because 
right before we started this, I switched Devontae Smith with Elijah Moore. Yeah. And um, this is nothing really against Devontae Smith. I like, for me, when it comes to receivers, I don't want to bank on a quarterback taking another step forward, especially after the, the, you know, the one season sample that we got this past year with Jalen hurts. I think it, it, it's a high risk, high reward for sure, but it may just be too much of a risk for me. And so because of that, that's where I go, Elijah Moore. And if I can just, I'll just transition us right into Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore played in 11 games this year. He missed week four, and then he missed the last... Four weeks. Four or five weeks. Five? Five or six? Yeah, four to six weeks, somewhere in there. (laughs) But the weeks where Moore and Smith were both active from weeks five to 12, Elijah Moore was wide receiver 19, and Devontae Smith was wide receiver 23. So both of them were in the wide receiver two conversations when it comes to fantasy lineups. But for a second, let's let's, uh, let's extrapolate the stats of Elijah Moore to 17 games. Would have finished with 66 receptions, 120 targets, 831 yards, and eight touchdowns. It would have been good for wide receiver 28. Do you know where Devontae Smith finished? He probably would have been, like, in the 40s. Oh, 30, okay. 30. 30. <laughs> Pessimistic. <laughs> and here's here's how eerily similar these two, these two guys, you know, I guess how similar their trajectories are going forward. Because Smith finished with 64 receptions on 104 targets, 916 yards, and five touchdowns. Eerily similar. Do it. Do it. We'll, we'll oh, hold on no. the fort. We'll hold on the fort. Oh, no. Go, go, go. Oh. Keep going. Ten. You're good. Just keep going. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> no, again, like, this, you know, again, these Elijah Moore stats are extrapolated over 17 games. So it's not a guarantee. But they are so, so, so similar that, like I said, the trajectory that they're both on with, you know, I'll say yeah. sophomore quarterbacks, even though Hertz is a third year, it's second season, whatever. At that point, it's just preference, and I just feel more comfortable taking Elijah Moore than I do on Devontae Smith, but it's it's really like three. It's tied for third, if I'm going to be My honest. My rankings currently show uh, I have Devontae Smith, and like, and this isn't just rookie. This is like next season rankings. Devonta Smith, Elijah Moore, Amon Ra, all three are ranked right next to each other in terms of my redraft rankings next year. I don't know who I like most out of those three. I go back and forth every single day on who I like the most. I think they're both going to be, they're all three of them are going to be great. If you lean Elijah Moore, I can respect that. I, I honestly, I had Elijah Moore ahead of Devonta Smith for the longest time. I've recently flipped back to Devonta Smith, mostly because I just think he's the better talent and if their stats are that similar, I'm going to lean towards the talent of Devonta Smith more than I'm going to lean towards Elijah Moore. But they're going to be so dang similar. 
if they're drafted one after the other next year, I'm not going to be surprised. And maybe, maybe this too may put more in front of Smith for good for me. There's a good chance that Philly takes and another receiver. And that's the one thing draft. that I keep coming back to too. What are the odds that they land a Traylon Burks? That they land a Drake London? Yes. Even a Garrett Wilson would take some targets away from Devontae Smith, and that. No. With your optimism on Dallas Goddard, which some of us... <laughs> that's how. That's what you can get back at me for. You can get back at me at Dallas, oh my Dallas, Dallas Goddard love. That's fine. If that's how you want to get back at me. Just don't do it with Jamar Chase. <laughs> no, again, if they grab another receiver, that just throws more of a shadow on Devontae Smith for me. But again, he's so young, and he's so, he and Cam pointed this out earlier. He proved all the haters wrong, even if the stats weren't there. So he's got the skill and the talent to prove us all wrong again. So Cameron, since you just hopped back in, uh, Tyler was basically saying Elijah Moore and Devonta Smith's stats last year extrapolated over seventeen games are essentially identical. Uh, and you got that a little bit with yeah. Elijah Moore being wide receiver twenty and Devonta being wide receiver thirty. Going into next year, who do you prefer, Devonta Smith or Elijah Moore? I defer. I prefer Devonta Smith for next year, but just slightly. I mean, it's back like, to back. That's how I have him in my back. rankings. I have Devonta Smith, Elijah Moore, Amon Ra. And speaking of Amon Ra, to wrap out wide receivers, I want you all to rank these three wide receivers: Amon Ra, St. Brown, Kadarius Tony, Rashad Bateman. I want you to rank, rank those three wide receivers for me. Um, I will go Bateman, Amon Ra, Tony. And no. the reason that I have Tony, I have Tony with the highest ceiling, I think, because I think he could be used in a special way. I just don't know if he will. Um, I think Bateman is going to overtake Marquise Brown as the number one wide receiver in that offense this year and be a true wide receiver one. That's why I have, um, Bateman as the number one. And I think that uh, Amon Ross can play third fiddle behind DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson in that passing game. And I do not like Jared Goff. So that's fair that enough. Clarify my rankings. Yeah, let's see. Amon Ra, Bateman, Tony. Swap Tony and Bateman, and that's my order. So you have Amon Ra. Ooh. So Amon Ra. Kadarius That's Tony my order and Rashad well. Bateman. I guess no love for the I just I, I get people like Bateman's going to take over. Marquise Brown's the wide receiver one. I don't know if I'm ready to buy that narrative yet. I don't know if I don't know if I'm ready to bite. I love the talent. I just don't know if I'm ready to bite. And I think the other two will get more volume. You know who's really the wide receiver one in that offense? Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews. Yeah, I mean that, I. I think I'm saying that with the thought in mind that he's going to be second behind Andrews. Yeah, but right. I still think he can be a valuable wide receiver he in he'll, fantasy. He'll be a valuable piece to have on your team next and year. I, th hmm. I think the one thing that worries me a little bit with Bateman is just the fact that the Ravens are getting their run game back. They're getting J.K. Dobbins and they're getting Gus Edwards back, which means you're also getting a very, very talented rusher and Lamar Jackson back as well. Yeah. 
So is the volume going to be there between Mark, Marquise Brown, Shaw Aitman, Mark Andrews in terms of the passing game? There could be. I, you know, it, I guess I just think Tony and St. Brown get a more, I shouldn't say fair chance. They get more opportunities than Bateman should get. I, I'll put it that way. I can get behind that. <clears throat> I think Amon Ra, I think he'll be just fine next year. I know there's, there's a whole Hawkins coming back and that offense will get better. And DeAndre Swift comes back and he'll be more involved. They, I, I just think they need to throw the ball to somebody. And whether they take a wide receiver with a 32nd pick, I don't know if a guy like Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Drake London, uh, Chris Olave, even like, I don't know if any of those guys are still even going to be on the board. Like it's possible for those wide receivers go in the first round. We'll see. But yeah. I still think Amon Ra's a guy there, and I have more faith in him after what I saw at the end of the year than I do Tony, Bateman, shoot, even Rondale Moore, right? I have more faith in, in him than I do all those guys. So uh, we're we're near the end of our time here, but we do have one more position category to cover, and that is tight ends. So let's move on to talking about tight ends. <laughs> Look Can't at you! Want... Oh, I stopped right before Ooh, the transition. <laughs> kill the Oof. transition. I get it's new and all. I was going to say, Cam, this this is your territory. Take it away. <laughs> uh, I, you want me to take it away? <laughs> it's Pitts and then the Muth, and then add, that's it. Pitts is wide is tight end one in Dynasty, and the Muth is like eight. There you go. There's my analysis. It is literally, and that was going to be my analysis. It is Kyle Pitts and it is Pat Fryermuth. And we covered these two in last week's tight ends episode. So if you really want more, more in-depth analysis on that, go back and listen to our way to really top 10 fantasy football tight ends episode. I'm going to throw out two names, though, just to consider for Dynasty format since we have a Dynasty perspective on this. I have to talk about my tight ends. I have to. I have to. I love tight ends. Uh, Kyle Long, the Miami Dolphins. He's a name to keep an eye on. Uh... Kyle Long. Is it Kyle Long? I'm pretty sure it's Kyle Long. His last name is Long. Hunter Long, thank you. I'm Hunter like, Kyle Long. does not sound right. It is Hunter Long. I was gonna Kyle, say, Kyle Long, Long is not a tight end. It is Hunter Long. Um, thanks for correcting me. Mike Kosecki's a free agent. He might not be back in Miami. Uh, and you want to know what you want to know what Mike McDaniel likes? A blocking tight end. And you want to know what Mike Kosecki doesn't do? <laughs> he doesn't block. He does not block. block. Uh, Hunter Long. I think it'd be a sneaky, sneaky dynasty ad. Uh, sneaky guy to, to add depth onto your roster for tight ends next year. Uh, and Brevin Jordan, just need to keep an eye on, mostly because it's the Houston Texans, and the only guy there is Brandon Cooks. We could talk. We didn't really talk about Nico Collins as much, but Brevin Jordan, I think, is another option if you want to add in dynasty leagues too for the sake of depth. So I'm going to throw the question, but I know I think I know the answer. Are there any other sleeper tight ends, rookie tight ends from this class that you two have any thoughts on? Cameron, did you know that Hunter Long no. was a tight end in the NFL before I brought him up? I did not. I knew Brevin Jordan. I did not know Hunter Long. I'm going to be honest. I had no idea. I was like, Kyle Long was the lineman. Long That's long why I said Kyle I Long, and I knew end. it was Hunter Long. Yep. Um, but... No, I did not know that he was. And I hope that doesn't no, make, it me doesn't a make bad you a bad fantasy, fantasy analyst. <laughs> it doesn't make you a bad fantasy analyst whatsoever. <laughs> He's just... Trying to send a trade no, in you're dynasty good. right now. You're good. Sorry. After what Tyler just sent in the group chat, I'm sure you are. 
I'm sure you are. Yes. Uh, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> that insider info. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellows. We're going to call it a wrap there. Uh, any final thoughts from either of you two? I don't think so. Oh, actually, one thought. Uh, QQB Leagues, watch yes. out for Davis Mills as a kind of their See the guy next year in Houston? Yes or no? I think so. I think so. They have to give him more. He didn't look half bad. They have to. He didn't look half bad. That's where, that's where, I, that's where I kind of stand. So let's call it a day there. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas. You can follow us on all of our socials. FF Fellas on Twitter. The FF Fellas. Oh, Cameron, you and just sending off. Oh, can I read this? Just because I feel like people are going to be like, oh, I can't. I can't for the sake of it. Oh, Cameron, you dog. I didn't I didn't even see like what exactly the trade was. All I saw was five draft picks for one player and I That's the most most Cameron offer I've ever seen. The episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas. FF Fellas on Twitter, oh. the FF Fellas on Instagram, Fantasy Football Fellas, Facebook, YouTube, the good, good old TikTok. Go give us a follow on all of our platforms there. Uh, I'm Lucas Wenzel on Twitter. W-E-N-C, as in cat, L on Twitter. Uh, Tyler is Tyler underscore Plath. Cameron is Camlaw317. You can drop us, drop us a follow on our personal Twitters there as well. I think that's it. Just three stooges here being dudes. Fancy yep. football fellas. Deuces. 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 Deuces.